good afternoon and welcome to Let's Talk. The pastor is in. I'm program host Kip Allen. Let's Talk's the program for the Christian layman, you know, the Lutheran who believes, but has questions. In short, the program is designed for someone just like me because there's a lot I don't understand. It doesn't have to be something soul-shaking. It might just be something that's been on my mind for a while. I find that rather than getting into a deep theological discussion, sometimes a casual front porch-style talk with this pastor is the best way to understanding. That's what this program is all about. Today's guest is Wayne Lawrence of St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. I have my questions, and I'm sure that you have yours. And you can send your questions at any time by email to Let's Talk at kfuo.org or you can call in during the program if you're in the st louis area including metro east that number is area code 314-8210-850 or anywhere in the lower 48 you can call in toll free at 1-800-730-2727 pastor lawrence welcome back Yes, yes. <laughs> How are you? Oh, it's it's Friday, thank heavens. <laughs> it's been kind of a rough week. <laughs> but you know, they're all like that. But you know, you wake up at the right side of the dirt, you, you uh, say, thank you, God, I'm here. Thank you for letting me be here. And that's the way we go. Right, right. <laughs> you know, this is a very special weekend for us. As of tomorrow... That will be the 503rd anniversary of the founding of the Reformation, when Martin Luther banged those 95 theses onto the wall of his church in Württemberg. Wow. <laughs> Just think about that. I mean, it's, it, it, that has lasted all this time. I mean, I, there was a, I saw a cartoon where it shows him banging in his uh, the theses, and he turns to somebody and says, Oh, the door's fine. I'm just correcting the uh, theology. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this this is, raises a couple of questions for me. Uh, you know, I know who I am. I know I'm a Lutheran. I know what I believe. But I'm not quite sure how to articulate it. Uh, have you ever run into a person who, who uh, and you get into the conversation that goes, oh, you're a Lutheran, that's nice. What's a Lutheran? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, what's the Lutheran? <laughs> How do we answer that? Yeah, you know, um, and you know, we, you know, that's why I think we usually start by saying, you know, when somebody asks you, "What are you?" You say, "You are Christian," you know. Um, but you're right, you know. Um, if you go, if they start getting into denominations, and uh, they go, "Well, what are you? Catholic, Presbyterian?" and you go, "Well," I'm Lutheran. They might go, well, what's that? <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, that's not a, that's not an easy one to to articulate. I agree, but uh, you know, it, it dawned on me that um, uh, Daniel Price had written a book um, called "Why Am I a Lutheran," and uh, the subtitle to it was "Jesus at the Center," and I thought, wow, that's uh, an interesting way to articulate, um, you know, what it, you know, what, what's a Lutheran, and I think, uh, you know, to articulate it well, one would have to point to how Christ-centered we are. Um, I think, um, out of all the Christian denominations, um, Lutheran is the most Christ-centered one. 
I remember when I was at seminary and um, listening to Dr. Froyahan, one of my favorite professors, and uh, listened to him try to describe um, a Lutheran. And he said, um, we are, uh, he said, we are, uh, we are Catholic in substance and evangelical in principle. Okay, now I'm lost. (laughs) (laughs) We are evangelical. We are are Catholic in substance and evangelical in principle. And he broke it down for us. It's like, you know, um, when I first walked into a Lutheran church, um, having grown up um, Roman Catholic, and uh, walked into this Lutheran church for the first time, and I'm looking at the way they worship, and I go, wait a second, this is no different from the Catholic Church that I grew up in. They are using practically the same liturgy. The setting is the same. Um, And so that Catholic substance was there that made me felt like I was in a, a Roman Catholic Church that I grew up in. But as I observe it a little closer, then I started to see some interesting differences. Um, There were no rosaries. Nobody was praying to Mary (laughs) Um, in the prayers. There was no prayers offered to to saints. Um, In the the sermon, there was uh, nothing about saints either. Um, And so... Speaking to the pastor at that time, I started to learn that uh, Lutherans were very Christ-centered in their in their message. Um, everything is about Christ and Him crucified, and uh, you know I think that's where um, you know Dr. Froyahan made it um, even clearer to me that yes, when you look at us from the outside, we might look like Roman Catholics. Um, in fact, a lot of our clergies um, wear crucifix. I know sometimes I walk into a, a hospital or a nursing home, and you know you're wearing your crucifix, and people would say, "Hi, Father." Yeah. You know. <laughs> you know? And so I think there are things about us that make us look um, like Roman Catholics, and so that would be the the Catholic substance. You well, know, now you may look like you. Now, when Luther, when Luther posted his thesis, he had some, obviously, there was some, some strong disagreements with what, with what was coming out of Rome. But as I understand it, he also kept a great deal of Catholic theology. Well, yeah, I don't think he got rid of the Catholic substance at all. I mean, the, the Catholic substance. I don't think he got rid of that at all. I think what changed with Luther was the... the, um, the the Christ-centeredness of the message. You know, we are we are Christ-centered in, in our principle. We are Catholic in substance, but evangelical. When you say evangelical um, in, in principle, that's where, you know, we are very Christ, because the word evangelical, I know it's been corrupted today because there is a, a Christian group out there that call themselves evangelicals. Um, but the, the term originally have to do with um, to preach the gospel, 
the term originally means to preach the gospel. And that is where Luther is, and Lutherans are, I would say, stand out and are very different from most, you know, any denomination out there, because it preaches the gospel um, in its purest form, the purity of the gospel. You know, as you say that, um, something came to mind. <laughs> um, Saturday coming is really, is really um, Reformation Day. That's the 31st. Mm-hmm. But it was observed on Sunday, the 25th. And so our readings and everything was for Reformation Day, Sunday, Sunday gone. And, uh, you know, the, the lectionary guys and I used to, you know, we always meet on Tuesday. So we met Tuesday the 20th. And uh, we're looking over these readings for Reformation Sunday, which would be the, which was the 25th. And some interesting comments came up. Okay. Uh, when we looked at when we looked at the first reading, which was out of Revelation, uh, Revelation fourteen six through seven, and it begins with the words, "Then I saw another angel flying directly overhead, with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on earth, to every nation and tribe and language and people." And one of the brothers, of course, commented that. Um, at Luther's um, funeral, that text was one of the texts um, selected and probably was the one uh, preached on um, for that for the reason that um, a lot of the Lutherans at that time started to compare or liken Luther to this other angel flying directly overhead with the eternal gospel to proclaim. Now, of course, we may quibble with the word angel and think that an angel has to be an, um, a heavenly being, um, a celestial being, but uh, an angel can also be a regular human being because the word angel just means messenger. Yeah, that's my understanding. And indeed, yes, and indeed, because Luther um, really emphasize that Christ-centeredness of the gospel, and that's what his whole protest was about. Well, we talk about, we talk about the three essential parts of Lutheranism, faith alone, uh-huh. grace alone, and the word alone. That is about as Christ-centered as you can get. Exactly, exactly. And that's where, you know, we can articulate um, that uh, what it means you know, to say I'm a Lutheran, um, it's the Christ, Christ being the center of our message, Christ being the center of all that we preach and do. Um, because, you know, the gospel before that had been, was corrupted in the, in the Roman Catholic Church. Um, there's always an endeavor in the world to corrupt the gospel. Um, and uh, by the time you get to Luther, the Roman Catholic that succeeded very much in just corrupting the gospel, and it was no longer pure. And with Luther, you had this protest um, to to preach again the pure gospel. And so um, he was likened to this angel flying overhead with the eternal gospel to proclaim 
to all that dwell on the earth. Um, so the gospel is is um, is crucial to what it means to be to be um, to be Lutheran. Now, when he translated um, so that, when he translated the Bible into German, uh, I think. I remember reading that he actually went back to the original Gospels at, as were written in Greek and in Hebrew, in which he was fluent in both. And this is right. what he did, was he took the originals and then put it in, not necessarily the Bible that the Catholics were using at that time, which, as you mentioned, had been corrupted. But he went back to the original sources and then put them together and then put it together in the uh, in the Saxon dialect of Germany, which was something understood throughout the entire area. Yeah, that is correct. Yeah, he, um, yeah, he's not um, working with, uh, you know, because even the canon under the Roman Catholics was um, corrupted too. You know, they started to canonize certain apocryphal books that Luther, you know, later removed from the canon and go. They had no right to include these in the canon. Um, but yeah, it was the that uh, that Christ-centered message was what um, making the gospel pure again, because you know even today you know um, there are many Christians out there that would say yes you know I believe in salvation by grace like you guys like you like you Lutherans, but then if you look close enough at what they are teaching, it doesn't come out as pure. You know, because um, a good example is, um, you know, my youngest brother and I, um, we used to debate some of these things in the past. And uh, his emphasis on the formula for salvation was where it says, you know, unless you believe in your heart or confess with your mouth, you know, Jesus is Lord. You have to do that to be saved. And I go, well, now you're pointing to something that I must do to be saved, mm -hmm. or you're making it sound as if this is something I must do. And he said, well, why don't, well, why don't you want to do anything? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, you know, that's where, you know, sometimes, even though they claim to believe in salvation by grace, somehow works get you know it slipped in through the back door somehow uh -huh. there is something you have to do or sometimes they talk about faith as if oh but you've got to believe and i go okay so what do you mean um faith is my work um am i the one initiating something with god and you know they somehow you know he ends up saying that because he would say to me, well, you know, God is not going to force you. You have to come and invite him into your life. And you go, see, now you're making me the initiator. This okay, now there, there I think we're getting into a very basic thing here. In fact, I was, uh, I won't say scolded, I was corrected once by one of the uh, people here. Because uh, I used the phrase, well, uh, I'll, I'll have to bring Jesus into my heart. And the thing was... I don't have to do a darn thing. Jesus is already there. But There's... the thing is, I can't do that. That's the thing. I yeah. can't do that. Yeah, that's it. That's <laughs> it. <laughs> and when you and that's the you know that is where he you know my youngest brother and I had this problem with uh, with the Christ centeredness of um, Lutheranism 
because he goes one of the time he he yelled at me and he goes you know what passivity will kill you <laughs> and i go no i think passivity is gonna make me live <laughs> <You know? laughs> because somehow he must get around to the point where i you know another good thing is um i like um is it um franklin graham billy graham's son mm-hmm. i admire him i admire him in many ways he seems like a very you know good-hearted man good-hearted christian and you know he would come on television and he would talk about you know the problem is that we're throwing God out of our lives, out of our world, out of our government. And he goes, we need God back in. And they said, and, you know, you can sympathize with his message. And he says, now, all you have to do, and that's where I go, oh, no, there we go again. Because he goes, now, all you have to do is say this prayer. Mm-hmm. God, I'm a sinner. I know I've made mistakes. Forgive me and come into my life. And you go, you know, all of a sudden now you're making me the initiator. You know, the, the problem I had with my brother and that and that passage where he says, um, if you believe in your heart, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. I always had a problem with him with that passage because I would say, then how do I get to that point? How do I get to the point where I confess where I believe and confess uh-huh. and uh, you know that's where he you know that's where he he is stuck because <laughs> that becomes my work unless I do that first then I'm not saved and then I'd have to take him further down into the passage because Paul explains further and he says well you know how can they believe if they've not heard you know and then later on, Paul gets into the passage and he says, so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So something has to happen. God has to do something that will enable me to believe and confess. You know, it's not I'm doing this first, but God has done something first. He has kindled faith in my heart. And how did he do it? Through the word. Mm-hmm. Again, as you mentioned, you know, Lutherans talk about the three solas, sola gratia, sola fides, uh, sola scriptura, um, the word alone. Um, and so if you start moving away from that and start making me the initiator, then all you have done is let works in through the back door. And I think what is unique to Lutherans is that works is kept out. It is not let in through the, through the back door at all. When we talk about faith, we don't talk about um, something that I must do first or that makes me the initiator. We talk, we talk about faith as something that God has kindled in us, something that he has worked in us, um, this childlike trust. Um, and so a good, a good difference is that is why we, we even baptize infants, whereas a lot of um, Protestants, you know, don't baptize infants. Why? Because as far as they're concerned, that infant cannot believe. Mm. And we would go, now you're making it that the child has to believe first. Right, right. 
Or God has already granted grace to that child. Right. And you go, no, 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 no. You know, the the child comes to faith in baptism. Mm -hmm. God is the one working faith in baptism. He's the one bestowing faith in this child. And I think, you know, that's where, which is one of the reasons why the sacraments, again, the sacraments is one of the things that set Lutherans and Protestants apart. Um, Because Protestants don't believe the sacraments. They don't see God working in this mysterious way, in ways that you you can't see with your eyes or touch with your hand or even fully comprehend with your mind. Um, They somehow want to rationalize things. They want something rationalized in a way that you can manage it with your mind. And there are things about uh, the scriptures and what God is doing that goes beyond human comprehension. You know, I can't see faith in someone's heart. I can't touch it. And I can't fully comprehend it even with my mind. Um, The same thing with the Lord's Supper, you know. Um, I can't fully comprehend it with my mind. Um, I can't touch, I can't see the body of Christ with my eyes or touch it with my hand. But I trust that it is there. Why? Because of the Word. Um, Through His Word, the Lord um, says He's giving us His body and giving us His blood to eat and to drink. And so I think what is unique to Lutherans is just how Christ-centered we are to the point that we don't let works in through the back door at all. Um, (laughs) Another interesting comment came up uh, when we were looking at uh, the readings for Reformation Day. Um, In the Gospel reading, um, based on John's Gospel, Jesus had said to the, the Jews who, who who he had won for him in this back and forth, and he says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And uh, <laughs> um, the brothers, again, pointed out that um, that maybe this text was also selected for Reformation Day, because uh, Luther's last name, Luther, um, was uh, phonetically sounds so much like the the Greek word for free or set free, the adjective, which is um, eleutheros um, in Greek, and uh, it uh, it's the word that means free, and uh, you realize that um, one of the things about Luther was um, he really did abide in that word of God. The word of God was everything for him and for him um, that made him truly a disciple of Christ Jesus that made him know the truth and that truth was what set him free. You know because in Catholicism consciences were so bound um, with all these rules and regulations and uh, indulgences that one had to do. And finally, with the pure gospel, Luther was uh, free, felt free, um, because Christ had 
set him free. Oh, the Book of Romans. So, uh, the Book of Romans explicitly says that, I believe. Yes, yes, yes. And so it's that freedom that we also have as Lutheran. We're not, you know, we're not bound by all these um, rules and, and regulations. Um, and so, you know, there is a freedom that we have in Christ, um, which uh, which is uh, very important to us. You know, I think Paul says um, in Galatians, you know, don't let someone after Christ has set you free, don't let somebody chain you up again. <laughs> and you know, when you know, when when I see works coming in the back door, what I start to see are the chains coming. You know, someone coming to um, shackle me again. You know, you have to do this. You know, to be saved. And uh, you know that sort of it uh, it dilutes the gospel. I think it um, I think it corrupts the gospel. Because it is saying that what Christ did isn't sufficient. It isn't everything. But it is. Um, and it is everything. It is everything. So, yeah, would I, um, would I articulate um, uh, what, what I am as Lutheran? I would say as a Lutheran, um, I am uh, Catholic in substance and evangelical in principle. What does that mean? Um, I am very Christ-centered in my message, in my belief. Um, Christ is the center of the scriptures. Christ is the center of everything we we preach and how we live. He's the center of our lives. Um, now, I'm, you know, I'm Catholic in substance, yes, in the sense that we, our way of worship has a tradition to it, does a very has a very Catholic tradition to it, uh, but being Christ-centered, you know, you won't find rosaries in our church. You won't find us talking to praying to saints. Um, everything we preach is very uh, Christ-centered. So, yeah, that's pretty, that's. I think that would be a good way to articulate it, don't you think? I think it's a way to start, but I think there's a lot more that we need to go into. And we've got to take a break right now, but I want to discuss this even further. Okay. Grace Lutheran Church in Wellsville, Missouri, welcome you to join them for Sunday school and adult Bible class on Sunday mornings at 9 o'clock, followed by the divine service at 10 o'clock. On Wednesday afternoons from September through April, Grace offers a midweek program for children grades 1 through 8. For more information, contact the church office at 573-684-2106 or visit our website, graceinwellsville.com. Also, check us out on Facebook. This has been quite a year, a lot of uncertainty. But there is one thing you can count on if you're a member of the Concordia Plans. Your benefits through the Concordia Plans are always with you to help keep you physically, emotionally, and financially healthy. Protect yourself and your family by signing up for your health care benefits, along with additional insurance and saving for retirement. 
Choose your 2021 benefits November 2nd through the 20th at concordiaplans.org slash myaccount. Cross Defense is the show where we talk about curious topics to excite the imagination, equip the mind, and comfort the soul with God's Word. Join me, Pastor Tyrell Bramwell, every Monday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on kfuo.org or even your favorite podcast app. My friends, our foe is a fierce enemy. Our only defense is Christ on the cross. The last Friday in October is National Frankenstein Friday, honoring author Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley and her novella Frankenstein, first published in 1818. One of the best-known horror tales of all time, Edison Studios produced the very first film version in 1910, followed by more than 60 movies or shorts. Literary scholars point out biblical themes, comparing the relationship between Dr. Victor Frankenstein and his monster to that of a creator god and humankind. Dr. Frankenstein's rejection of the monster invokes the story of Adam and Eve's exile from Eden and stories of fallen angels. At one point, the monster turns against his creator, saying, Remember that I am thy creature. I ought to be thy Adam, but I am rather the fallen angel whom thou drivest from joy for no misdeed. Brought to you by Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. Welcome back to Let's Talk. The pastor's in. Today's guest pastor is Wayne Lawrence from St. James Lutheran Church in University City, Missouri. We are discussing what is a Lutheran? How do you answer that when someone questions you and says, oh, you're a Lutheran. Gee, that's neat. What's a Lutheran? (laughs) Well, well, we've got a lot of it now. So faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. We are Christ-centered. We believe in the pure gospel. We don't believe in the distractions. We don't believe that it takes action on our part. This is a gift freely given. But there's one thing I I often wondered about. Uh, We are sometimes described as a confessional body, a confessional denomination. What is that actually? Uh, We are described as a confessional body um, because uh, we... We basically say back to God what he said to us. Um, That's, you know, um, there you get to that um, scripture alone, that word alone, um, of one of the three solars. Because if we believe that the Bible is the word of God, then um, even in the way we worship and in the way we pray, we are basically speaking back to God his own words. That's one of the reasons why if you look in our liturgy and you know when I you know when I point to the Catholic substance, um that is that is also in that is also good. Because, you know, Catholic, I know that word sometimes has a bad connotation because of the Roman Catholics. But um there's a difference. There's a difference between Roman Catholic and Catholic, um, because what we hold is the Catholic faith. Um, even in the um, Athanasian Creed, the word Catholic is still retained, um, because that faith is um, the Catholic faith re- refers to the 
the the um, the one true church, the one universal church, sometimes referred to um, as the in Latin they, you hear the term una sancta, the one holy. Um, there is really one church. Um, there's not two, and that's one of the things I like about um, um, Dr. Preuss's book here on why I am a Lutheran. When he talks about uh, Mount Zion in his book, he talks about uh, the church, and he goes, there isn't uh, two churches. There's really one. Um, And uh, so in this one church, we have the Word of God, and uh, we speak back to God, His Word. And if you look at our liturgy, you notice how sometimes you have these... uh, these biblical references at the end of certain liturgical, um, certain um, chants. Why? Because it, we are pointing out that these words that we are chanting, whether chant by the congregation or the pastor, um, can be found in Holy Scriptures. And so we are a confessional body because, again, we speak back to God, His Word. And it's also a way of... Um, teaching, you know, we, you know, in the, in the ancient world, they, when people, um, and most people weren't literate, one of the things um, that was done was they would draw um, paintings and tell the story so that uh, people would understand the story of, um, of the Christian faith. Um, as people become literate and we start coming up with our liturgies, what are we doing? We are, again, going through the scriptures. We are repeating those words, um, especially in the ordinaries. The ordinaries are the parts of our liturgy that remain Sunday after Sunday. Um, especially in the ordinaries, you have those parts that we keep saying again and again so that they stay with us. You know, those parts of scripture and the gospel um, they stay with us even after, even after we leave church. You know, I remember um, visiting this um, elderly woman in a nursing home once, and uh, she was, you know, lying there as um, in bed, and I am going through the scriptures with her through the the liturgy. And as I touch on certain parts of the liturgy, she didn't even need to have a copy of it (laughs) to join me. I say the Lord's Prayer, she came right in. Why? Because that's a part of our liturgy. That's a part of our liturgy that we say Sunday after Sunday. Or if you start getting into the creed, she's able to join me because she's heard the creed so often. And just other parts of Scripture, she's able to just jump right in with the liturgy, even though she didn't have a copy of it uh, in her hand. And it is so biblical, and it can be so Christ-centered. The message of our liturgy, too, even the message of our liturgy is Christ-centered. And so as we confess, as we speak back to God his own words, we are confessing Christ. Um, And so, you know, we have that Christ-centered way of doing things. And that is why, you know, um, I appreciated when Dr. Furyahan pointed again to our Catholic substance. Um, You know, we are evangelical in principle, but we are 
um, we have that Catholic substance. And that Catholic substance is what makes us confessional. Um, I know we have the Book of Concord, which is which is the correct exposition on the scriptures. That was going to be my next question. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, the, the confessions um, um, are the correct exposition on the scriptures. Because again, in that uh, in that debate between um, the Lutherans and the Roman Catholics back in the 1500s, um, the the Lutherans again make sure they stated their position clearly that um, they were not in any way departing from from the scriptures, but they what they were teaching was clearly in line with the scriptures. And as they would again state their position, um, they were they were um, they were being confessional. They were again stating what the scriptures what the scriptures teach, and so that makes them part of our confession. In fact, um, even the creed, you know, that we still retain all the ecumenical creeds, both the apostles, the Nicene, the ecumen, the uh, the, the Athanasian creed. Um, even though those creeds um, predate Luther and predate Lutheranism, but they are good summaries or confession of what it means to be Christian. Um, And they confess Christ. They confess the gospel in all its truth and purity. So they are all there. Um, And so that's why we can point to our church as, being confessional. So you're right, we are Christ-centered, we are confessional, we are Catholic in substance and evangelical in principle. Uh, those are the ways, I guess, I would uh, articulate um, what it means to be to be Lutheran. Well, I uh, think one, one, again, thing, one thing that separates us a little bit from other Protestant denominations uh, is, you know, let's, let's look at the Holy Trinity. When we make our confession, when we uh, recite our creed, the creed explicitly says being of one substance with the Father, that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, the Father are all one. That is three aspects of one Godhead. I think some other uh, Protestant denominations don't recognize that. They, 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 they might. I'm, I'm hoping they do. <laughs> I hope they do because, because I think one. Well, I think the creed separates Christian from non-Christian. You know, um, I may not be in agreement with the the Baptist minister down the road, and he's not in agreement with me. But what makes us Christian is that we both believe in the Triune God. And we both believe in the person and work of Jesus, which is in the second article of the creed. And so, you know, one of the ways Christians have always separated themselves from non-Christian, like the Baptist minister down the street would go, well, he's Lutheran. And I would go, well, he is Baptist. And if you say, well, is that Lutheran up there? Is he Christian? You go, well, yeah, he's Christian. And if somebody asked me if the Baptist minister down the street, is he Christian? I would go, well, yeah, he's Christian. But now if a Jehovah Witness came along, ah. he, and I would both, he and I would both say, that's not, that, he's, that, that Jehovah Witness is not a Christian. 
See, mm-hmm. and what is it that we are looking at? How do we? How? What would make us conclude that we are Christians and He is not? It would be that creed. It would be the Apostles' Creed. We would look at the creed and go. The creed states that that there are three persons in one God, and that, that the person and that Jesus is God, and that Jesus took on human flesh, came to earth, died for our sins, rose from the dead, and ascended back to heaven. Uh, the Jehovah Witness can't confess the creed in good faith. Neither can a Mormon. And so, I, you know, the creed as a way of separating Christian from non-Christian. But uh, when it comes to um, Jesus being, you know, that Christ-centered message, I think that is where Lutherans and other Protestants tend to to separate. And why is that? Because a lot of Protestants tend not to believe the sacraments. Um, They often bring works in through the back door as to what you must do first. It always somehow makes us the initiator, um, whether we have to, be, whether you know, whether we see faith as our work or the work of the Holy Spirit. And you see, if we're gonna see, if we're gonna see faith as the work of the Holy Spirit, then we have to again point to the Word, which I don't think they often do. They often go, yeah, you have to believe first, and then they turn works they turn faith into my work into the into the work that we must do before we are saved and that's where i tend to have the difficulty with them um it's in how they somehow let works in through the back door and their lack of belief in the sacraments um it all it never fails as soon as you start talking about baptism the lord's supper confession and absolution you're going to have a conflict with um, with Protestants because they don't see God as acting. They see God act. You know, they see what God did two thousand years ago on the cross for our salvation. So they can talk about what Jesus did, but what is He doing right now? You know, He not only did it, but He's doing it. You know, He's doing His gospel thing. Every time we gather for worship. God is doing his gospel thing. There is um, this lady and her son that recently started worshiping with us. And um, I was glad that they gave me the opportunity to to come to their home and talk with them about, about Lutherans. Um, because, you know, the lady would like to commune, and um, I'd like to commune her too. But I'm asking her and her son to to take a good look at us. Take a good look at us before you do that, um, because you don't want to endorse something that you don't really believe. And so I am taking this opportunity to to do just that, um, to again approach um, what we believe about the sacraments, what we believe about the Lord's Supper, what we believe about baptism, confession, and absolution. Because usually that is the the difficult point for um, people coming from a different denomination. Now, what can be interesting is that uh, 
the difference sometimes between us and other denominations is that the pew can be more confessional than the pulpit in other denominations. Um, let's go into I mean, that. That's, that. I hadn't thought of that. Yes. And what I mean is this. Um, <laughs> uh, Dr. Gibbs once was explaining to us that um, he was he had some Presbyterians in his confirmation class. And he was explaining to them that Christ's body and blood is truly present in the sacrament. And they're saying, yes, yes, we know that. We believe that. And he said, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, you, you, you know, in the Presbyterian church, it's not what they, they teach. And they look kind of puzzled. And then when he explained to them the belief of the Presbyterian, they go, no, 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 that's not what we believe. And obviously, they were looking at the scriptures. And they believe what was in the scriptures in spite of what the denomination, um, you know, taught or believed. So, you know, you can run into people sometimes that actually believe what's in the scripture without realizing that they're in a denomination that doesn't really believe that. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> That's why but the Catholics are so upset with Luther translating the Bible. <laughs> Right, right, because once you start to give people the word and they start believing the word, then, um, you know, sometimes they will believe the truth in in, in spite of the, the lie that is being told to them. They might just simply believe the truth. And so, yeah, it's important that um, I take this time with them and... Uh, and point this out. Point out that you know um, the sacraments are are important to us, and why? Because they are so grounded in the Word of God. You know, um, when you look at the Lord's Supper, you know we're not just uh, if we sin, if we if we eat unworthily, we're not just sinning against bread and wine. We're sinning against the body and blood of Christ. And why is that? Because the Lord is there in the sacraments. So these are things you definitely want to uh, explain to uh, people coming in, so that um, they don't, uh, um, so that they don't just sort of lump Lutherans with other denominations. And also, and go, okay, we're... and also, uh, I think we say clearly in our bulletin that a person who unworthily takes the Lord's Supper, does so at great harm. Yes, yes. In fact, um, I use that um, that uh, communion policy from, it's, it's from, a, it's from the, com some, the communion cards that we, that we purchase and use. I just modified it a little bit at the end where it says, because those who eat and drink our Lord's body and blood unworthily do so to their great harm. And because Holy Communion is a confession of the faith, which is confessed at this altar, any who are not yet instructed in doubt or who hold a confession differing from that of this congregation and the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, we are asked them not to commune. Now, in the, in the card, it might say they are asked to speak to the pastor first. Mm -hmm. But usually there isn't any time to discuss this um, before church or before communion. 
So, you know, we prefer to ask them not to commune and then to, you know, talk with me later so that um, I would have an opportunity to um, to share with them just what we believe um, in more depth. And that's, a, um, that's another they, thing that... that differentiates us from other from other denominations is that we do have closed communion right at least we're supposed to be practicing closed communion it always bothers me that you know some of our churches don't do that and you know they create difficulty when they depart from what we are supposed to to practice as lutherans um because then it uh, you know somebody would say well pastor so-and-so isn't doing it that way. He just commune all Christians. You know, why is it that you practice close communion? Well, Pastor So-and-so, who is just communing Christians, is actually not doing things the right way. He's supposed to be practicing closed communion um, because uh, communion is also what uh, you know has to do with what we confess at this altar. Um, and so... You're right. We we are supposed to be practicing close communion for that reason. Now, the Roman Catholics, um, well, when I grew up in Jamaica, they tended to practice close communion there. I'm not so sure about the American Catholics, but there was a tendency in Jamaica for them to practice um, closed communion um, because they were very touchy about communion. And in fact, that was one of the things I really liked about the Lutheran Church when I first joined. I go, at least, you know, these guys have the same kind of respect <laughs> for the Lord's <laughs> Supper. <laughs> um, but only to realize that uh, the teachings on the Lord's Supper for us is um, even more biblical, even more Christ-centered um, than, the, than, than Roman Catholics. Um, so, yeah, it's... Uh, <laughs> It's uh, the, the whole topic of um, of explaining why I'm a Lutheran or what is a Lutheran um, can definitely um, shed some light on the difference between not only Lutherans and Roman Catholics, but it can also shed light on the difference between Lutherans and other Protestants, because indeed we stand out. We really stand out. It's in, with, and under. Yes, in, with, and under the yeah. bread and wine, right. Yeah. Um, whereas, of course, the, the, the Roman Catholics, um, um, you know, they, they teach what, what we describe as transubstantiation. Um, it, it, you know, the bread changes or the wine changes. But indeed, we um, point out that, no, it is in, with, and under. Um, I'm not trying to tell anybody that what you're looking at is not bread. Um, but what I am saying is that in that bread and with that bread and under that bread, Christ is giving you his body to eat. And in that wine um, and with that wine, he's giving you his blood to drink. Um, and that is the scriptural truth. And that's why I think we call it communion, because at that moment we are literally communing one-on-one -on -one with God. Yes, there is, yes, because, yeah, the, it, yeah, the communion is both, is both vertical and horizontal, you know. Um, we're communing with God. God is giving us something, 
Um, we're also communing, you know, there's a fellowship here. Oh, yeah. Um, with, you know, with with the brothers and sisters in Christ. And that is why, you know, we don't want to just have someone commune with us who doesn't share the same share the same belief in the Lord's Supper that we have. So, yeah, it's both vertical and horizontal. Um, you know, um, <laughs> You know, the, the Roman Catholics also use that word, Eucharist, mm -hmm. um, the Holy Eucharist. And uh, you can see where it, um, it is also um, part of what we believe to, because what do we believe? We believe that when Christ gives us his body and blood to eat and to drink, the proper response is what? To say thank you. Mm -hmm. Thank you not only with our lips, but with our lives. And there is a Eucharistic prayer that precedes the Lord's Supper too. So, um, you know, the, the, the sacraments, again, sets us apart not only from Roman Catholics, but it definitely sets us apart um, even more so from, from a lot of the Protestants. I would say from every other Protestant out there, um, it sets us apart from them. Um, it, is, it makes us unique. Um, as a group, and we cannot talk about we cannot talk about um, what is a Lutheran without talking <laughs> about the sacraments. <laughs> we cannot yeah. talk about what is a Lutheran without talking <laughs> about the sacraments because that definitely um, uh, sets us apart as uh, a unique group. Well, we yeah. find ourselves as being too Catholic for the Protestants and too Protestant for the Catholics. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, Pastor yeah, Lawrence, so, we're running yeah, into so. the uh, last minute of the program. Uh, any any final thoughts or prayers that you would like to to give our audience? Well, you know, next week um, is election day. Um, the is that this is that supposed to be the third of November? Correct. Yeah, the 3rd of November is Election Day. And uh, I think this is a time for us to really pray for our country as we approach Election Day. Uh, pray for our government, because government was also instituted by God um, to punish bad behavior and reward good behavior. It functioned as the the left hand or the left hand kingdom of God in this world. And uh, we are certainly so far have been blessed with such a government by God. And uh, we should pray that we are continue to be blessed by such a government um, from God. And that also the church functioning as his right hand, his right hand kingdom in the world, that that also continues. Because it's with, it is with these two kingdoms, these two hands of God in the world, that we are blessed with a prosperous and a very powerful country. And that's not something we should take for granted. That is something we should thank God for. And that is something that should guide us in um, how we choose trustworthy leaders. And so we do have to choose. You've been listening to The Pastor Is In, a weekly chance to chat with a pastor. Your support is vital for this program to continue. 
To learn about giving opportunities, call Mary at 314-996-1518. You can make a gift safe, secure, and easily online at kfuo.org. Thank you for listening and supporting. The pastor is in on Worldwide KFUO.